Hello and welcome to the Gemma's Journey podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Paulus, the cabaret geek. Now you may recognise Paulus from the BBC television show All Together Now, but he's currently touring his new show, Looking For Me Friend, which is an ode to Victoria Wood. Now Paulus had just come back from touring and performing at Birmingham, so it was lovely to talk to him today. Welcome to the Gemma's Journey podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners today? Of course. Thanks for having me, Gemma. It's Paulus, the cabaret geek here. I am a uh, entertainer and educator, or at least that's what my website says these days. <laughs> um, and I've been I've been working in cabaret for thirty one years now. Uh, but a lot of people know me from a TV show called All Together Now, which is a singing competition that was on the BBC a while ago. Yes, so you're on our podcast to talk about your new show, Looking For Me Friend, which is a tribute to Victoria Wood. Can you tell us more about your show? Sure, yeah. So um, when I was 10 years old, so that's um, 36 years ago now, um, I was introduced by my mum and my big sister to uh, the work of Victoria Wood. Uh, So in 1985, this was when I was 10, uh, she had her sketch show as seen on TV, on TV. And um, it was, it was revelatory really. I say in the show, uh, I think it's a really rare thing for a parent to find a television program that they can watch with their kids and everyone actually enjoy themselves. I mean, I think my parents and my siblings and I, we managed it with the Muppets. But other than that, it was probably only Victoria Wood that managed it. And my mum was, the age I am now when she introduced me to the show my sister was 18 and I was 10 as I say and it was was just very special and um, I'm having a most wonderful time celebrating all the tremendous work that Victoria did um, during her lifetime and helping to hopefully just facilitate a real loving of of her and her brilliant genius. Yeah. So is that why you decided to create a show about Victoria or just because you enjoyed watching it on on telly with your your family? Well, that is definitely a big factor. But for me, I guess there was another uh, element to it. I believe, and something that we sort of explore in the show, my piano player and myself, and when when I say piano player, that really does um, him no justice at all. Mr. Michael Ralston is my accompanist and MD, but he also has a huge amount of lines in the show. I guess in many ways, he's my Julie Waters to my Victoria Wood (laughs) in some ways in this show. And we we, we bounce off each other with lines from her sketches and stuff, as well as doing these songs. And my contention is, our contention is that in the 80s and the 90s, you know, for, for a lot of Britain, which was a lot more small-minded than it is these days you had to be cautious if you were different if you were other and I was a very very obvious uh, little little queer boy um, back then and uh, I felt, felt that Victoria's work with silly catchphrases and characters and uh, and worlds that she created were a way to meet like-minded people at parties or at clubs that that I you know drum clubs and things that I went to it was a way of sort of going oh if you if you get her then you might get me and I feel a little less scared of you know letting you see who I am do you know what I mean yeah 
yeah, definitely. I mean, I was too young to be able to watch Victoria, but I'm only, only now sort of realising who she is. And, you know, I, I watch on Dave and UK TV Gold and other sort of TV channels and online. I have a look at her, her work and I think, God, I don't think there's anyone around today who was very much like Victoria Wood. You know, I think she's so, she's so funny. She's, you know, I, I can't think there's no sketch where I haven't, haven't laughed. So, Will audiences you know, who go to your show be able to recognise some of the famous sketches that we've seen from her in the past? Oh God, uh, absolutely, yes. I must stress that we don't do any of the sketches in full and I don't impersonate Victoria. I, it's a personal, a very personal story for me and Michael really about, about what she and her work meant to us. And we, we do, um, as I say, sort of bat back and forth a lot of the well-known catchphrases like sort of two soups and is it on the trolley? You'll hear things like that as well. But really we're celebrating her songs. Yeah. and and the music and uh, because of the massive delays with the pandemic um, mm -hmm. we are still only performing the one hour sort of festival version at the moment okay. so it's been so nice to be going around to uh, these venues around the country and and we're having a, such a nice time meeting fellow fans and, and sharing the love of Victoria with her and I, it's so nice to be able to say to them you haven't even seen the full show I've written it we haven't we just haven't done it yet so can <laughs> we come back next year when you come and see us and it's really really lovely <laughs> Yeah, it must be lovely to be back on stage again, you know, because like I say, I mean, everyone, you know, including the arts and theatre have been restricted and now restrictions are open and everyone can go back to see, you know, see shows now. So it must be lovely for you as a performer to be back on stage again. I think it, it can't really be overestimated, Gem. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you, you speak to me the morning after... Uh, our first performance in Birmingham and Birmingham was a very important city to Victoria just like Manchester she went to university there I believe and uh, I think that's where she met her first boyfriend as well in a pub a stone's throw from the theatre that we were in last night and we had a room of 80 people who gave us our very first standing ovation ever for the show and we spent an hour just just luxuriating in her silliness, her genius, her brilliance and, and her music. And it was nostalgic and unashamedly so. And, you know, for somebody who like many, many other performers around the world were, a year and a half ago was sitting on their sofa, not knowing whether there was an industry to come back to. That mm. was a very special night last night. Yeah, I bet. So this podcast is called Gemma's Journey. I'm always interested to hear about other people's journey. And as you said in the start, you know, you've been performing and been in the theatre and cabaret world for 31 years now. So how did your journey into performing all, all start for you? Well, I, I mean, it's a terribly typical story, really, of a very precocious show-off of a child that uh, needed an outlet. Uh, but I think as well as that, um, uh, the theatre, you know, it, this will surprise few people that, that are listening, I'm sure. The, the theatre, even back in, in the 80s, um, with, with the world uh, less open-minded than it is today, the theatre was a place where, where you could thrive you could spread your wings and you could be more yourself than perhaps other walks of life and uh if you if you were different and i say if you were an lgbt uh kid even if you didn't know that you were at the time and that was tremendously 
important to me. It's it's weird now. I, I look at I'm going to sound very old, by the way, in, <laughs> for the next few minutes. Uh, I look at the world now and the changes that have happened since I was born. You know, when I had my first boyfriend, it was you know uh, I was too young to be dating him because the age of consent was 21 and I was 17. It was illegal what I was doing to be in love with another person. Um, and so to see how much has changed in my own lifetime alone, thanks to my brothers and sisters that have come before me. Um, it's weird because sometimes I sit around now and I think to myself, I could have been a chartered accountant, couldn't I? Or I could have been a plumber, or I could have been a miner. If 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 I'd felt more, you know, more welcomed in, in more walks of life. But don't get me wrong, I'm delighted with the walk of life that took me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, God, if you had worked, you know, in financing or a miner, you wouldn't have had Paulus, you know, we wouldn't have had the, the cabaret geek. So thank God that you followed this this career path that you that you have. And as you as you just mentioned at the start as well, you're listeners and recognize your voice from the BBC TV show all together now so tell me what was that like because me as an audience member that looked so much fun to to watch it looked like you had a bit of a bit of a laugh with that one (laughs) well you know it's very funny I've been going around the country um uh, in a way that I haven't really had chance since uh the end of series two because of the pandemic and um and people often say to me, you know, the chap that was running the theatre last night said to me, oh, I wonder, do you, do you know my friend Harriet, who was, you know, a member of the judging panel? Because as, as viewers of the show know, there were 100 judges, myself, just one of them alongside Jerry Halliwell and 98 other brilliant singers and singing teachers and practitioners. But the thing is, you see, that the set for our show was so enormous and so high. So I think I was on row D and that is in the center. So I think you would go down to row F at the bottom and right up to row A at the very top. The people in row A, you don't meet the people in row A if you're in row D. (laughs) Even if you do two series in a Christmas special, you never see them. Because I was always sat in the same chair. People kept getting moved around me, probably whilst they tried to find people that could bear my attitude, to be frank. so yeah there's a lot of people that I sadly didn't get to know at all but that wasn't for want of trying it's just that even when we're not on set we are sat in those same order in a in a holding room so you just get to know the people to your left to your right and and above you and below you But those people were awesome and I made some lovely friends. Yeah, I know a lot of people it seems like boo you and I always thought you were sort of the Craig Revel Horwood of, of all together now. But I thought you were honest and you clearly know what you're talking about. You're experienced enough. I think you've given them really like useful, honest criticism. I think it was nice to hear an honest voice. <laughs> That, that's very kind. Thank you. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's fine. It, it's, it's a shiny floor TV show and you have to have a baddie. And <laughs> I knew, I knew that. I mean, I didn't know it. I was kind of told it by Rob Beckett on set in front of a live studio audience. And I was like, oh, right. Is that the game you're playing? Fine. Okay. And the, and the cameras were rolling and that's what you all saw. So I had to think fast, but yeah, they definitely saw that my hard to impress attitude could be um could be spun into something (laughs) i just hope i didn't upset too many performers because as you say my aim was to was to be constructive and to help them improve i hope i wasn't ever too personal or too unkind because it was never my intention to be yeah exactly yeah that's what you want you know it's nice to have positive feedback but you know it's good to say what they can improve on because then next time you know they'll do better and they'll take they'll take your your criticisms on and use it to their advantage so i'm pretty sure it would have been nice and useful for for them now (laughs) i mean as somebody that's been you know spent the last 20 years uh being a teacher 
and a mentor and a facilitator at workshops and lectures and you know just you know speaking up for the cabaret community let alone the the, the artistic community wider artistic community in this country it's uh, uh I, I think it's important for me to say this is what i would love to see we are, what you're doing is great so add this and it'll be awesome <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i really loved watching your youtube videos about the world of cabaret so why is it important to you that you do educate audiences about the cabaret industry oh i suppose it's a bit of an obvious thing to say for somebody who's you know a bit too close to 50 for their liking but it i suppose after so many years of the privilege of being able to take the space whenever a stage or, or a dais or, or a platform has presented itself to me and, and becoming increasingly aware as I get older and as the world changes and we become more understanding of others, that not everybody gets that privilege, you know, and, and I do believe now that it's it's such a privilege to, to be given a spotlight, to be given a microphone uh, on whatever platform that might be. And I, and I want to invite people by, by my teaching, my mentoring, to, to ask themselves, what do you want to say? This is, you've been given this amazing opportunity that not everybody gets. So what do you want to do with it? How do you want to fill it? And I, and there, I don't think there's a right answer, but I do think it's an important question. Yeah, because I think sometimes, I mean, I remember ages ago, I mean, fans of my blog will know that I love um, Frisky and Manish, I know that you know really well, yeah. ages ago, they did a YouTube video sort of about, about your two cabaret, about that word being derogatory, and you know, when you have judges on Britain's Got Talent and X Factor and things like that, and judges saying, oh, you're too cabaret, as if it's, it's, a, it's a bad word, but it's definitely, definitely not. Well, I just, I just think that's, I just think it's a bit of a lazy comment, you know, yeah. for, from a so-called pro professional and fellow artiste. There's bad um, opera. I've seen some, you know, I've also seen fantastic opera. There's bad ballet, there's bad theatre, there's bad dramas, there's bad musical theatre. There's also good and excellent of all of those things. Yeah. So why take the genre of cabaret, which, you know, is 140 years old this year, 140 year old strong uh, art form, a very unique one, very, very exposing and difficult to um, do properly and, and denigrate it and sort of whitewash it as, as always sort of cheap or tacky or, or not good enough. I just think that's very short sighted and, 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 and frankly, a, a bit like gaslighting the nation because cabarets have been a place where people that were being persecuted, that were being, you know, uh, downtrodden by the powers that be uh, in that city or that country at that time, it was has always been for 140 years now, a place where people could stand up and say, no, I'm not okay with this. This is what I think, this is what I want. And, they, and they've done it through the most artistic of ways. And if we can't see what a tremendous gift that is, there's something we're very wrong with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I love cabaret. You know, I found, again, like through Frisky Manish, I found people like yourself and loads of other artists in the cabaret world. And, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I write about theatre. I like going to the theatre. But when I see plays and musicals, oh, yeah, it's good, but there's nothing exciting. There's nothing that I can relate or engage to. So when I go to see cabaret artists, I love that it is so different and it's entertaining and you can be whoever you, you want to be. And it's so welcoming, you know, no matter who you are, what you look like, you know, what your background is, you are welcomed into this cabaret family. And it's, it's a lovely, you know, it's a lovely 
world that cabaret is. <laughs> yeah, and you know, again, if you go back to the 1920s in Berlin or all the way back to the 1880s in Paris, the cabaret doors and stages were open to queer people, to performers of color and persons of color more broadly in a way that not every door was back then. So you're absolutely right about inclusivity, absolutely. Yeah. And it was only because, you know, dictators like Hitler, but not limited to Hitler, ran cabaret performers and cabarets themselves um, underground because they didn't like the freedom of speech that it, um, that it afforded us and I think that's what we need more than ever right now as yeah. we re re-emerge into a new what well, I hope will eventually start roaring 20s it's not roared yet has it it's been more of a whimper but hopefully <laughs> uh, the 20s will start roaring again <laughs> yeah yeah especially in these you know unhorrible you know, unhorrible and you know um, I don't know just times where we've not known what's going on you know I think we've needed theatre you know when it was locked down we couldn't go I thought oh you know I relied upon art you know that was my escapism and to have it shut down it's like oh I've got no outlet now and now that things are slowly back opening just to see anything no matter how good or how bad it is just to go to the theatre and experience live performance it's just a break away from this strange times that we are still living in at the moment. Oh absolutely and it is so wonderful to um to be performing again sporadically with smaller audiences and obviously there is still quite a lot of you know uncertainty out there and older people shielding so you know I, I I know most of my colleagues that do similar things to me are finding that the what we hoped might be a, a, an immediate bounce back of people going oh god I'm desperate to dot 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 you know people are either still wary or they've they've changed you know they've got into knitting or walking rather than going out into the west end and uh, a lot of people i think are going for a slower lifestyle yeah. but there'll always be a place for the arts in our lives and how much richer are our lives for it you know yeah and i think audiences as well need to be a bit understanding you know when i've gone to see a show and sometimes you know they might have made a mistake or there's a bit of a wobble or they've forgotten it's been what two years or I don't know however long we've had this pandemic for it's been a long time so of course artists will be nervous and will make mistakes we've got to be a bit sympathetic I think anyway so audiences just you know click the fingers they should be able to perform at peak sometimes they can't so I think you need to like work with the artists as, as well remember that they've had, you know, had experienced this as well as you <laughs> Yeah, well, well, looking for my friend is a great example of this, Gemma, because I mean, you, you said you, you've learned a bit about Victoria and her work and she uses a lot of words, does Vic, and my show, uh, our show, uh, Michael and I's, uh, uh, it is a whistle stop of 12 of her songs in one hour with a lot of text as well, and you know, I'm no, I'm no older than I uh, ever intended to be and trying to remember it all with an, uh, 18 months of doing nothing and because of the nature of the lockdowns and delays and everything I've been doing like one show then having a month off and when I say a month off I mean that's it nothing you know no singing no acting no getting up on the stage for four or five weeks and then you do it all again from cold that's like going into the gym after five weeks away and expecting to be to be able to you know pick up the, pick up the deadlift to do the deadlift weight you know uh, it's just not possible. You can't do that because it, they're all muscles and they all need flexing and, and reworking when they get uh, get 
fatigued and, and eroded isn't the right word. I'm not very good with those analogies. You can tell I've not been in a gym for a million years, can't you? <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> Never use that analogy again. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to book tickets or you know see looking for me friend or you know look wanting to see more of you where can they where can they go uh, well we keep looking for my friend.com updated with all of our listings as i say things are still a little sporadic right now but we're hoping to do a run in the spring of 2022 before taking the show to edinburgh festival in august and then hopefully around the country in theaters from september all being well but i would actually recommend people to if they are a facebooker to join our group because it's very silly there's a lot of fun pictures archive pictures of vic and julia celia imri and the girls from dinner ladies there's i post sketches originals and my own versions and my songs and of course you'll be updated about show dates and stuff and uh, lots of people in there who are great at banter and quoting victoria who you can uh, you you can become friends with too yeah I'm on that Facebook group yeah I'm definitely learning so much about about Victoria yeah so definitely join join that group if listeners want to so thank you again Paula for being on my podcast today it's been a pleasure to to talk to you it's really nice to catch up Gemma it feels like a million years <laughs> since <laughs> yes. we spoke I know I know thank you again you're very welcome thanks for having me Thank you for listening to Series 4 of Gemma's Journey Podcast. If you liked this podcast, then please do share with your friends. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes. And of course, if you do want more, then I'm Gemma's Journey on my blog on WordPress, so please do check that out.